trigger warning, this podcast covers suicide ideation and related themes. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, help is available. In the UK, you could contact emergency services, your GP or Samaritans at 116-123. Hello everyone, my name is Alex. I'm a senior behavioral science analyst at HRW Shift. Welcome back on the Shift podcast. Today's podcast is part of a mini-series based on linguistic analysis. The podcast covers understanding suicidal ideation on social media using linguistic analysis. For this, we will be discussing uh, Saket Rao's research. Saket is a valid member of our shift team and part of Eavesdrop. Hi, Saket. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. And welcome, Saket. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Saket Rao. I'm a behavioral scientist here at HRW Shift alongside Alex. I'm also part of the eavesdrop team, which is our new social media listening team that's going to be launching very soon. A bit about myself. I have a multidisciplinary background. I initially began as an investment banker, and then I went to pursue my MSc in behavioral science at the London School of Economics, where I dabbled in applying behavioral science across different areas before finding my passion and my calling with healthcare market research. Thank you for the introduction, Saket. So today we'll be discussing your dissertation. Can you tell us a little bit more about the topic? Sure thing, Alex. I began my dissertation with the intention to study about loneliness and how that kind of shapes the way that we in a society react and interact with one another. But I kind of stumbled across a related topic, which was suicide ideation. And I felt given the enormous impact that suicide ideation has on a global scale, I felt it would be relevant to research further and understand better themes closely related to suicide ideation. So as part of my dissertation, I looked at suicide ideation, which is the thought process and thinking about any form of thoughts, desires, or intentions to commit suicide. So it's probably considered one step uh, away from suicide. And therefore, it felt a more relevant topic to be able to focus on this area as it's a more tangible way of trying to create or look at interventions or potential remedies or potential steps to help people out of that particular mindset or the behavioral impact of, of what they are going through in such a moment. So it was on, it was on social media, right? So what's, what social media platform are you looking at? So one of my main goals uh, when I was looking into this area was, so one of the main ideas behind this research is to uh, look for a particular platform where people would be more most likely to express themselves. And therefore, I picked Reddit as a social media platform as it gave the anonymity feature, which kind of then helps people freely express themselves without being judged, without feeling any repercussions or any social stigma of any sorts. So therefore, I picked read it and I applied some social media listening and try to scrape the data uh, using Reddit as my main source. In particular, I looked at this one subreddit, which is called, and therefore it was a one-stop place for a lot of people commenting about their suicide ideations and commenting about their thoughts and their feelings and expressing themselves. And therefore I felt like it would, have, would be a great domain for me to look further and study suicide ideation as a research topic. I see, I understand. So it's a, yeah, it's a public forum where people were discussing. In terms of your main methodology, so you were scraping those subreddit subforums. What exactly were you looking out for when you were scraping them? I think the idea behind suicide ideation, if I were to take one step back, I think it's to 
understand one of the key linguistic markers. And I wanted to understand if the way we spoke and the way we as human beings communicated, if the language that we used had a particular a sense of rhythm, a particular marker in the way that we spoke that was very specific to suicide ideation, then we can pick up on that marker and therefore be able to identify suicide ideation on a global scale. And this notion of the linguistic marker and my attempts to find different linguistic markers that were relevant to suicide ideation was, was how I approached this particular study. Speaking about linguistic markers, there are a couple of linguistic markers that I felt were quite close to suicide ideation. The first of which is absolutism, which is this notion that we speak in rigid terms and the way we look at life choices are either in a very binary fashion. And absolutism is a linguistic marker that's quite close to the way suicide ideation kind of behaves. The second is to understand personal pronoun usage and, and the way that a linguistic marker kind of changes the narrative, changes the outcome of language usage. Individuals who are facing suicide ideation, are they more likely to refer to themselves differently? And is that I versus we type of personal pronouns, the first person versus third person? And what is that impact of that? Other variables that I considered or other linguistic markers were elements like lifestyle, motive, and time orientation. So just trying to understand if there have been excessive mentions in language usage revolving around lifestyle, the way that their life has been going, difficulties in their current situation, or in terms of motive, if motive can kind of referring to their ability or their drive to do a particular action, and that kind of would be able to tell its own story. And the third, the last one in this category, being time orientation, are they likely to speak more in a future tense or a past tense in the cases of suicide ideation where they're not able to look at a concrete future? How how impactful would it be to study time orientation as a linguistic marker was kind of my thought process. Oh, this is this is very interesting. Um, and I can see how you need to look at few markers to figure out the structure of the language, what it means. I'd be interested to hear more about absolutism, how you look for it. What, what, what did you find in relation to absolutism? Absolutism is something that's quite relevant, especially and is quite closely linked uh, to suicide ideation. And uh, maybe I just want to step away from hardcore definitions and probably paint a picture. Um, I think the understanding is the severity of this case of someone wanting to commit suicide or thinking about particular avenues of, of even going to that length of thinking about wanting to commit suicide is quite drastic and quite quite dire. And usually what tends to happen in the situation is that either those individuals, things may not be working for them in terms of their work, in terms of their life, everything that's going around for them in terms of social support. And therefore, they're unable to look for particular options. And this striking observation of un of them being unable to look for options is the rigidity that is being explained by absolutism. So when someone is faced with a particular task, we often tend to have the ability to create more options for ourselves to see beyond the binary zeros and the one beyond the yes and the no. And I think that's something that's quite lacking when it comes to individuals contemplating suicide. And therefore, absolutism is using words like absolutely, totally, looking for particular words like perfect, always or never. And I think there were 
another 15 or 20 other words that kind of fell in this category that denoted a sense of totality. And therefore, they were looking at life in just, I want to live or I do not want to live. And that was the binary um, mindset that they held. Are there some findings you could share from uh, your research? My approach for the whole research was to look at particular linguistic markers closely associated with suicide ideation. But I didn't want to look at it in a standalone sense, but I also wanted to look at it thematically. And therefore, I took a dual approach. So one, I looked at it as a standalone. And second, I looked at it thematically in relation to elements that are kind of well known to be connected with suicide ideations. So that refers to elements like mental health, references to negative tone or negative emotions. And therefore, I kind of linked those themes together and try to get a better sense of the picture holistically. One of my key findings in the Uh, in the research, in my dissertation, was that there is a sense of absolutism being a prominent linguistic marker to an extent that around 10 to 20 percent, depending on how the variables were accounted for, can be explained. So maybe there is an impact of 10 to 15 percent of an increase in the likelihood of suicide ideation when absolutism as a variable is involved. And this is quite significantly tested. um, And by significant, I mean robust in terms of um, statistical significance, as well as with the the sample size and and my approach uh, in the data. Uh, the, The intent was to understand, well, now we have absolutism as a key linguistic marker, but so what? What can we do with this information? Context is is very important, right? Context context is absolutely key. And therefore, I want to strongly emphasize that it's just not about having absolutism as a key uh, linguistic marker, but it's about using that in context. So therefore, one pot- potential outcome that I would like to have explored further is the use of AI and machine learning, so chatbots. And I think if we were to program chatbots a little further to include a detection of absolutism in particular context, then I think there's quite a bit of scope to, to use this as a suicide detection model, uh, a finding that uh, is definitely worth exploring further. Yeah, and I think there are some chatbots out there that are meant to help with mental health and they ask questions. You can use them uh, as, you know, as diaries. You can have a brief, I wouldn't necessarily call it conversation because it's not with a human, but you can have an exchange of, you know, sentences. Perhaps the, the bot gives a bit of a bit of advice. But I think, and I remember this from the European Conference on Mental Health to which I went last year, the aim was to make sure that when a user communicates to it with a chatbot that they know that that is not a human and the chatbot is trained or should be trained to give information on how to contact mm-hmm. a human, how to contact emergency services, family, doctors, GPs, or other nonprofits that can help if there's an emergency, if anything links to suicidal ideation. Very interestingly, the, the bots, the tendency is to not give them human names. So again, to remove the the idea that there might be a human on the other side when there is not. And of course, because I guess, cause, you know, you started all of this from thinking about studying loneliness. It can feel a bit comfortable to communicate to one of the chatbots, but, you know, it can also feel a little bit lonely because at the end of the day, we know that they're not, they're not a human. But that's, that's, so a, that's a topic for another podcast. It was nice that you mentioned, especially in an, in an era where we have chat GPT so frequently used, I think it's quite innovative as a sense for us to think about potential nudges that can be incorporated, especially using AI and machine learning, just for the little bit of nuances to be picked up by the 
ChatGPT engines so mm-hmm. that we can kind of combat this. And I think there's a lot of potential looking forward to this. So quite excited to see what comes out of it. Yeah. And there are already some out there. I think there's one called Wobots. There's one called ChatPal. So there is research going into this and it's quite, it's quite interesting. Your your dissertation topic was, of course, must have been very, it's, it's heavy, heavy and charged. So how, how did you feel conducting this research? Quite true. I think it was not to downplay it in any way. It was quite uh, heavy. So there have been days where I've had to step away for a bit, some distance myself from the topic and come back and approach it uh, with a fresher lens. And I think I wanted to pick a topic that was quite close to me. That's quite something that I'm passionate about, something that really impacts me and I think that's the case with a lot of um, topics in research. When when the research goes on for a long period of time, I think um, it's important that the topic is close to the researcher. And I was quite grateful for the opportunity to have gone through such an intense period and gotten a lot of out of this because the way that I started approaching other parts of my life, because absolutism is not just closely linked to suicide ideation, but I think it kind of also relates to the way that we think as individuals. So I'm quite fortunate to have been able to stumbled upon a linguistic marker such as absolutism. And that kind of has had a positive impact in the way that I started approaching different parts of my life with regards to absolutism. Have I been too rigid? Are there more options? And so on and so forth. So I think Yes, it was a very heavy and charged topic, but I think it was a very relevant, especially in a day and age right after the pandemic, just to be able to research something like that and have potential of the impact and some of the intervention. I felt like uh, there was a bit of purpose in the way that the research kind of evolved. Thank you for sharing this circuit. I often think of absolutism in daily life, Um, maybe not like you said, with being too rigid when it comes to finding solutions for a problem or giving options, but also when it comes to saying things like how we say sometimes, oh, today's the worst day ever. You know, think things like that, which I, I wouldn't really say because I stop and think, well, is, is it really the worst day ever? No, not really. It's just a not so optimal day, maybe. Absolutely. And I think when we look at um, suicide ideation and how linguistic markers affect suicide ideation, it's also fair to say that the language that we use on a daily basis can also impact the way that we perceive outcomes as well. So if we were to use words that are kind of more negative, something that is Uh, rigid in language, I think that also limits us and that kind of impacts the way that we start to view the world. So it really, language really shapes the way that we perceive the world. It creates the narrative. And that's something that's quite important to keep in mind for all of us. I think there's a bit of impact that we can make just with the way that being cognizant of the language usage. Yeah, that's right. Because when we talk about something, we when we give it a name, we give it a we give it a body, right? It becomes more real. I think we were talking on some previous podcasts about this. Um, we had a couple of podcasts about language and about, for example, there are societies where I think it was the color green. They don't have a word for it, so you know they call something blue. We in behavioral science we called it the stepper wharf concept, where you know where the language that we use shapes our reality. And there's this science fiction book that I'd like to recommend. Babel 17. Uh, it was written in the 60s by Samuel R. Uh, Delaney. And the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, the fact that our language shapes our reality, is, is key to this book. It won quite a few prizes. And uh, they are great, great book. Well, thank you very much, I guess, for sharing your uh, 
very interesting dissertation with us and the importance of language in our lives and the importance of context in our language. Thank you, Alex, for, for having me. It's, um, it's always a pleasure talking about uh, research in a, in a topic that's quite close to me. Really appreciate this opportunity and it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope we we have given you something to think about with today's podcast and to maybe think about the language that we use, the context that the language is used in, and of course, to take care of our mental health whenever we can. If you'd like to learn more about HRW's social media listening and linguistic analysis offers, please get in touch with us at shift at hrwhealthcare.com.